Hi class, let's start the chapter. Operation management, chapter three, demand forecasting. In this chapter, it's, we need to identify uses of demand forecast, distinguish between forecasting time frames, describe the common feature of forecast, list the element of a good forecast, and step of forecasting process and contrast different forecasting approach. The whole idea is if we can do a good forecasting, we can minimize the cost and be very effective in the operation also. <clears throat> we will describe at least a three judgmental forecasting method. We'll describe the components of a time series models and explain the averaging technique uh, and solve the typical problems. We also describe the trend forecasting, what's the trend, and solve uh, some typical problems maybe. And we will describe uh, the seasonalities forecasting and during the season, which season, what season is all about, and solve typical using both the central moving average and the annual moving, annual average methods. Uh, describe associated models, regression models, and solve a typical, a typical problem with the regression models. And uh, you saw the video probably about the regression models. Describe the three measures of for, forecast accuracies and two ways of controlling forecast. And identify the major factor to consider when we're choosing a forecasting technique. As we said, in this chapter, we're not gonna get deep into calculation and mathematical approach. And the reason there is lots of application now can do these approach as long as you enter the data and ask them what kind of forecasting you're looking for. But here, the outline is what is a forecasting? Um, is there features common to all forecasts? We will uh, see the elements of a good forecast. We will step to the forecast processing approaches to forecasting the different approaches. And you know, there is a judgmental method, time series method, associative method models, uh, time series models. Um, we definitely, we need to know the accuracy and the control of forecasts, how we can do the accuracies and control forecasts, and uh, choose a forecasting uh, technique. We're not gonna look at the Excel temple templates during the course. So what's a forecasting? Forecasting is a demand forecast is an estimated of a demand expected over the future period. So estimated demand expected on a future period. And you see the picture here talks about, I see that you get a hundred in operation management this semester. She's doing a forecasting for 
Yeah, and he's excited about it. Now, forecasting answers. We looking for answers like how big is the facility do I need to manufacture a new video uh, homes? Uh, how much money do I need to run an operation of my accounting office? How many pairs of white shoes should I order for the summer reason in my store? Um, how many operators should I schedule next month for my call centers? How much lettuce should I buy for the next week in my restaurant? These are all needed of some kind of a forecasting and you need a good uh, answers for them too. For example, if you're buying lettuce and stays there, it goes bad. If you're buying shoes, white shoes and nobody likes it, it stays there as a stock. So you need uh, to forecast demand. You need to look at the demand you forecasted. Now, three uses for a forecast. First, design the system. You might need a forecast for designing the system, uh, which is it's a long run annual and types of a product and service you wanna offer, capacities, equipment and where is the location you want to look in for. That's a, a long term, which is you need to forecast the design the system. Then use of the system. Now, after you design it, how are you going to use the system? Now, the medium term, monthly, uh, how much you'll be using, and then inventories is needed, type of inventories, workforce is needed, level of workforce, and the planning production. And then in the short term, which is you schedule the system with the forecasting uh, daily or weekly, what amount needed next week or tomorrow, what is amount needed. Uh, production, purchasing, staff, scheduling, these are all for the daily and weekly forecasting. The feature common to all forecasts it's a called assumes casual system. What was the past? That's drive the future also. If it's declining, the future is declining. If it's you know, growing, its future is growing. But past is a drive the future. That's an assume casual system. Now the forecast really perfect because of randomness, because when we do a forecasting, we do a randomness. We will select five units from a thousand or a million or whatever. This is a random selection. It could be a bias based or not bias random selection. Now forecast more accurate for groups because in a group up and down, different color, you can do that forecasting a little bit more accurate, but the individual not much as an accurate. So forecast more accurate for groups versus individual. We need to look at the forecasting for a group as a group or an individual forecasting. Forecast accuracies as a time zone increases. The more you look at the time zone, the horizon of the time zone, the more accurate to, to it. And 
what's an element of for good forecast? It has to be reliable. Is uh, you know you can drive a, a result from some uh, element which is a reliable. Should be meaningful. It should be a cost effective and useful uh, time horizons and simple to understand and use. These we will be explaining each one of them. Now, the steps that in the forecasting process, first you wanna determine a uh, purpose of forecasting. You, you do these steps also in the marketing research. You do a determine purpose of forecasting. You do establish of a horizon time, a time horizon, sorry. You gather and analyze uh, relevant historical data, and then you select a forecasting technique, how you're gonna put the data in and prepare the forecast. And then when you prepare the forecast and get the result, you start monitor the forecast. There is what you call a judgmental forecasting, it comes in from your historical and personality type also which is it's a non-quantitative analysis of subjective input. Uh, considers soft information such as human factors, experience, and gut instincts, historical uh, experience that you have and knowledge. And then you have what you call a quantitative, which is analyze hard data. And I put your link to how advanced is analyzing using data as now, uh, data engineering, data management, artificial intelligence resulting from these, business intelligence resulting from these. The time series model, which is extended the historical pattern of numerical data. Then you have, is, so we said uh, the time uh, series model is an extended historical pattern of numerical data. And then you have the associated models, which is a create equation with exploratory variables to predict the future. In the judgmental method, uh, executive opinions, usually, you know, pool of opinion of high level executive of management, Gartner does that a lot. A long-term statistic, strategic, or a new product development. You do a sales force opinions, uh, which is based on a direct customer con uh, contacts, and you speak with them. In the judgmental method, the consumer surveys you do a for uh, uh, you know uh, Census Canada does that also. There's a questionnaires or focus group. Uh, historical analog analogies, which is use the demand for a similar product, uh, you know, look at them. And then what you have in the judgmental method, the third type is probably the expert opinions, where there is a Delphi method, which is it retrieves the questionnaire circulated until census is reached. Uh, or what you call a technological forecasting, which is we will look at these, the last, the third one deeper. 
Now, what is the time series? Time series is a time order sequence of observation taken at the regular interval of time. So is an hour you're looking at who's gonna buy what? You're focusing on a certain product, a certain time of all, who's gonna walk in the supermarket to pick that product. So the following six pattern could be identified at time series. Time series. It's the level or the average horizon patterns. You can see the trends there, uh, which is a steady upward or downward movement. You look at the seasonalities because it's a time. There's a regular various related to the time of year or a day. And then you look at the cycle, which is a wave variation, wave-like variation, lasting more than one year. And then what do you have irregular uh, variations caused by unusual circumstances like an earthquake or something like that, not reflective of typical behavior. And then the random variation is a reflective of more social, like, social psychology's behavior. And then the random variations, which is residual variation after all other behaviors are accounted for is called noise. So the random variation is a residual variation after all the behaviors uh, are counted for. We will explain what, uh, what we did in the Conoapa hydro case business uh, in North uh, Manitoba, did that study for them. Now, in the pattern of a time series, what do we do? We usually have what you call uh, a trend component, okay? So demand show the snow boats, how much demand is year, year two, there's more and more and more. And then we have the seasonal peak, uh, peak peaks, which is in the winter, people have a tendency to buy more. And then where you have the random variation, things that goes out of order like here, and it's not going very normal like we see here. And this is what you call the actual demand, which is actual demand of season and peak, try to estimate the season peak and the random variation that might happen because of it. Now in the time series model, there is a, it is a naive uh, method uh, which is use averaging method, which is a moving average. We're not going to talk that much about them in the calculation. Is a weighted moving average, exponential and smoothing. Uh, and the trend model is a linear, as we saw, and could be nonlinear, like a U shape uh, or talk shape or whatever, and uh, trend adjusted exponentially smoothing, if you notice, there is a trend happening to purchase more of the same product um, over time. The techniques for seasonalities, techniques for the cycles, actually, we talked about is like a cycle seasonalities, and in some season is high, some season low. It's like the, the case of economic booming and recessions. The naive method is says the next period equal with the last period. 
simple to use and understand and very low cost and low accuracy, just what you bought to, in the warehouse last period, you're gonna put it again in the current period. It's just the same thing. So we're forecast equal with the actual A. An example, uh, uh, give me a minute. We sold 250 uh, wheels last week at the sky. Now next week we should sell the same. You know, that's a naive way. And this person is naive method with, it, it, it looks at it with a trend, not without a trend. And the trend is that two years ago, we sold 50 membership last year. See the trend? We Last year we sold 75. So this year uh, it's gonna be a hundred. So that's a, a naive method with a trend, a trend of a growth. Now, moving average in a statistic, a moving average is a calculation to analyze the data point by creating a series of average different subset of a full data. So it could be here, below, upper, uh, and you find the average. So you do every point an average for it and you get the average for it. It's also called moving mean. We've done the calculation of mean, the whole, you add all the variations and you divide by the number and get the mean. Or it's also called the rolling mean and it's a type of finite impulse response to filter. Then you have the variation include could be a simple one as we accumulative, or you look at the weighted forms. Uh, so simple is just two up, two down, two up, two down, or accumulative, two up, two down, four up, four down, eight up, or a weight, you add all these points and divide it over the forms. Now, a moving average, Average of the last few actual data as you take them and update each period. You update them uh, each period. Uh, you see the growth to the previous data and you update them. It's uh, easy to calculate and understand. There is a known application who does that. And, but what they do, they do also try to add on a smooth bump uh, lags behind the changes. So you, it will tell you, you know, the variation of your forecasting and all these things. Uh, you can choose a number of periods, include a fewer data points. Uh, so you become more sensitive to the change if, you know, because you're not very accurate to the point, more data point becomes smoother, as no smoother as, as it comes to smooth pumps and less responsive, it's you know the data and you respond to it as a forecast saying. Um, here's what you looks at the graph, take a look at the graph and try to see how this works. We have the actual sales and we have the moving average forecast. And then we have weighted average, which you see is a pretty close to the actual sales uh, because we have a more a smoothing uh, involved in it. Now, there is what you call 
exponential smoothing, sophisticated weighted moving average. It's a new forecast is based on a previous forecast plus a percentage of difference between the forecast and the previous actual value. As usual, between zero to, to one, um, you know, a range from zero to one, what is extra, you know, percentage you need to add to cover the gray zone. That's what you call lower or higher also. It's a subjectively choose a smoothing constant and usually uh, alpha range from zero to one. So commonly from 0 0.05 to five, half a percent. Uh, so if you have a hundred consumer comes in, you can multiply it by 1.5 or 1.05 or something between them. And it's a widely used, it's also easily, easy to use and easy to alter the weight from, you know, historical data. The new forecast equal with the previous forecast plus a percentage of error or forecast error Actual forecast is in the error terms. Alpha that you're choosing is a percentage actually. That you, you use that a lot, say it's around 50, 10% up and down, something like that. So it's like a 50.1 uh, you know, up and down, something like that. Um, Forecast, which is, we said is a, a forecast plus a percentage of error per forecast, which is alpha is weighted on the actual demand. So, you know, you know, the demands you said forecasted the 100 last year, but suddenly 120 people showed up. So it's a 0 0.2, 1.2 multiply whatever your forecast. So one minus is the weighted of a previous forecast. The larger the, the smooth constant, which is the alpha, the more responsive to your forecast. Because if you're selecting, say, 0.9, so it's a 1 point, uh, you know, 9, it's like a, you're forecasting 100, but 190, you are warehousing the product unit. So your closer is as more smooth it is. Uh, so if you notice here the period time, and the demand, so you're you're expecting that, you know, uh, the actual goes up and down here. So if you are uh, using 0.1, the, it's not covering as much as uh, 0.4, for example, the blue one. Now, how we choose the alpha? When when we, we do that is when the demand is fairly stable, use a lower value alpha. If we know the demand is 100, 101, or 100, or 99, we use a lower alpha and very stable. And that's not gonna change over periods of time. The smooth out random ref reflections, that 1% up and down. When the demand increase or decreasing a lot, use the higher value, so that will give us a more cushion in operating, more responsive, uh, responsive to the real changes.
involves the demand, the technique for a trend. Now we talk about a trend is probably to, two years ago we bought two, this year we bought three, uh, three years ago we bought, we sold one, two years ago we bought, sold two, this year we sold four. There is a trend. So that's all about technique, but technique for the trends is involved the development of an equation that describe the trend, presuming the trend is a present of in the data. We realize there is a trend and we can describe the trends, uh, the growth, the decline, the timing, the zones. We look at this trend, the generations, the youngers, the olders, these are, there is some kind of trend is growing. And we look at the historical data to discover if there is a trend exist or not. But the trend overall, it doesn't have to be, uh, you know, a growth. It could be, a, a, you know, different shapes. If you notice here over time, could be a growth curve, could be a polynomial trend, there might be exponential trend. So you need to look at them, uh, you know, they're not only a linear trend. These are what you call here, what you see in nonlinear, not straight ones. This is what you call a linear trend. But what you notice is the linear trend line develop a linear best fits among the actual observation of that. That's a linear trend, but then there is a deviations. So this is what you call, uh, you know, the right numbers and uh, the actual observations that we're looking at, the actual observation. And these are the point of lines here. So this amount is the deviation and we can monitor and see that. Then there is what you call the technique for seasonalities and season variation uh, for, uh, yeah, I don't know, is for the, boats, for the bikes, for the snowmobiles, seasonal variation, regularly repeating wave movement in a series of values that can be tied to recruiting events, weather or a calendar, Christmas, uh, Hanukkah, uh, I don't know, summer, uh, Victoria Day for fireworks, all these is, is, is kind of uh, uh, connected to the recruiting recruiting events. Using seasonal relatives. Now, seasonal relative or index is an equal proportion of average or a trend, as we spoke about it, for a season in the multi duplicative uh, model. In other words, seasonal relative is of 1.2 is equal with 20% above the average. And you know, you do that when you, uh, during the lunch hour, the percentage of services in the restaurant, you need to see above the average versus none hours for the living. And then, then you have the de-seasonalities, which is you remove the seasonal component to more clearly to see other components. So you take away, the, I don't know, the summertime, and you see that just to understand what's the base for it, uh, for your uh, operation needed 
uh, as a product, service, or whatever. And if we divide by seasonal relativity, uh, also. And then you have re-seasonal, which is adjust for the forecast of seasonal component. So this is the demand I need 100 units, but in the summer, I need a hundred, uh, I need an extra 20 units. I need two employees all the year, but during the winter, I need another extra one to help us. So adjust the forecast for seasonal component, multiply by seasonal relatives. It doesn't have to be weather-wise, it could be month-wise, could be day-wise. I need on, the, or time-wise, I need on a Monday, one extra help, for example. Then you have what you call a cycle. In this cycle is a different, uh, or kind of as a, as a wavelength movement, but it's a different because it, it's, it is also similar to variation, but get a longer you know, period, like a two to six years between the peak. It's like, you know, the recession, the, you know, it goes down or the housing industries or the constructions. These are, takes two to six years between them. That's what they call a cycle. Example of cycle variation can be found in the economies of countries where the prior experience times of growth, like inflation followed by recession slowing down and shrinking the economy. So growth, uh, inflation comes in, recession slowing down and shrinking the economy also. So the associated forecasting, it's about the, um, associated model rely on identification of related variable that can be used to predict values of variable interest. A good example, um, if two things that you associate with them, although cannot be directly, there could be direct or it could not be directly needed. So like for example, the new housing starts in Canada is related to mortgage rate. So rate uh, as a mortgage rate fluctuate, so does the demand for a new home. You know, the higher the mortgage rate goes in, the less demand for the house. So the lending rates goes down. You notice the demand for homes and housing, and you took that in the micro, in the micro and macroeconomics too. But how you do this associate models is you put X and Y, X equal with two Y or whatever the calculation, X equal with the Y plus Z. Now you have the predictable variables in the predictable variables, if you notice here, X, which is X, is used to predict the values of variable of interest, which is Y. And also called dependent and independent variable. So independent variable is, does not grow the dependent variable. It grows whenever the independent variable grows or shrinks. That's called predictable variables. And then you have what you call the linear 
regressions, which is comes in from predictable variables, the process of finding a, a straight linear, we saw it in the previous uh, third, fourth slide uh, earlier, that this process of finding the straight lines, the best fit to the set of opinion. And use the least square equation. So uh, it could be, uh, you know, a little bit higher or lower or something. And then you have the multiple regressions, which is that they use it in a lot, uh, driven from linear regressions, which is a model with a one more than one more predictable. And I said, use it a lot in the artificial intelligence driven activities or into, uh, you know, data, data engineering. And it's a computation is complex and created with the computers. These days we utilize these models a lot. So as you see the linear, simple linear regression as the X becomes five, seven, Y 15. And if it's two, Y 10, if it's six, X is the 13. This is what you computed linear regressions and it's a it's kind of a, a straight linear and it's around the, that line. We're not going to talk a lot about this, but the coloration and Excel. The, there is a coloration coefficient, which is minus range from minus one to one. You, if you took it in a statistics course, if you're not going to refresh yourself. And it's a measure of the strength of relationship between two variables as this increased by 50%. What's the percent of this dependent variable will grow? Uh, if this is increased by 5%, it could be this increased by 50% or less by 50%. So the variable comes from minus one to one or plus one and uh, minus one, is the two variables and because it's like this they move together in the same directions and uh, two variables move together in the opposite direction <clears throat> then there is uh, corel which is you talk about range of value y values versus the range of x values there's a certain range that cannot go more or less whether it's y or uh, X. So in instead of putting minus one and minus two, we do the R power two, which is that makes it a positive and usually is between zero and one. And uh, it's just to see the variations and the higher value, more useful predictors. And that is what you call a range of values, y values, range of x, y. Accuracy and control of the forecasting uh, pro uh, process are vital aspect of forecasting. The more you're close to, uh, to realities, the better for you. So you don't need to bring four man powers if you need only three. If you're close to a forecast that you only need three and you're not taking an associated risk, 
then you're close to forecasting and you lowering your, uh, you become more effective and efficient. Forecasting accuracy is a degree of correctness. How correct of the forecast generated by the forecasting processes that you are using in your forecasting. And the accurate forecasts are necessary to success of daily activities of every organizations. There's lots of example we can bring in this. An inaccurate forecast can result in too few or too many resources. And sometimes you find this was well stock or you go lost. Um, too little or too much output. And that's when you have no option but to sell that. Very low price to get rid of the stocks that's in your warehouse or the wrong output of the whole total thing. Now there is a forecast error and bias, and you have to keep that into cal when you do your calculation. Bias is the sum of forecast error. And when you have a hundred peoples and you have to calculate the bias, how many, what's the chance when you're selecting is ones that repeating itself more. So we have a positive bias, which is a frequent underestimations. And then you have a, the negative bias also, uh, which is a frequent overestimations, which is all that cause errors. The possible source of errors include, it could be not only that, the bias it could be model may be inadequate, things that have changed, or you select the wrong thing, incorrect use of forecasting techniques that you use, or uh, irregular violation, uh, uh, variation that happened like we brought the earthquake happened. So we need to control the forecasting process. And to when we do a forecast, we said we're gonna monitor the last steps, the six steps and we need to control the forecasting process. It is necessary to monitor forecasting error to ensure that the forecasting process is performing adequately and remain accurate enough. So it's important to see whether we've done the right forecasting. If it's not, we need to correct the action for now and for the future also to take the forecasting properly. And we need to monitor forecast error is we usually accomplished by either a control chart. There is a chart, for example, and we look at the forecasting, whether it's close to that chart. And also could be a, a tracking signals or whatever. Uh, there's a water, if things, how much is going higher or a lower. This is also, we can do a tracking signal would give you an accurate forecast. You see here, there is what you call a, a, a random a range of random variabilities. And the majority is usually uh, at the middle here, which is that's a zero. Uh, and then you have the upper limit. No, this is what you call a normal distribution. Majorities is that amount. And there could be lower and higher. And I think this is probably you took it in the statistic or if you took a marketing research course also. So the forecast error for, you know, see uh, for each period with its upper 
or lower than the the, the normal distribution of forecast area. And the the control chart example, the question comes in: What has happened to our forecast accuracies? There is an upper limit, as we put, and there is a lower limit. Is there an identifiable pattern to this forecast? What's causing these errors happening? And we see that it's going down to the mean average. Choosing a forecasting techniques. There is no single techniques work in every situation. Each situation, each demand, each result has a different technique to use. Now, but the most reason, the most common important factors is, is cost and accuracy. How accurate you want or how costly you want to be. And other factors in selecting the forecasting technique, availabilities of historical data, whether it's a secondary data or primary data, forecasting horizon time, and the pattern of the data, how you collect them and where you collect them. So in this chapter, we were able to forecast, we knew that forecasts are vital for input because they help the managers to anticipate the future and make a decision. Forecasting horizon are classified into a long, medium, and short term. Forecasting techniques can be classified as a judgmental, we spoke about it, or a quantitative. A judgmental method relay, we said, on the judgment, experience, historical experience, and expertise of executive, sales staff, probably expert, consultant, or consumers for to, have, uh, to formulate some kind of a forecast. The judgment method include executive opinions, uh, sales forecasts, again, consumers, or some consultant that is involved in that field. And then we talked about the quantitative techniques, use the prices, numerical calculation, precise, I'm sorry, use the precise numerical calculation to develop two, two uh, to develop a, a forecast, a two major quantitative approach we spoke about at the time series and the associated techniques which is or the casual techniques. The time series uh, techniques rely on historical data collected, a project past, uh, uh, their pattern and variable in the, uh, into the future. Include averaging techniques, we said moving average, exponential, we used uh, uh, terms of moving average and uh, exponentials uh, to make sure it's smoother. And we notice that we look at the linear trend, there's some trends there, at the time series decomposition of seasonal data, we take away the seasonal data like a winter time or a summer time and we see the basic thing and we see the added part of it. And then you have the, what you call the associated technique such as of regressions, attempts used in lots in the database management to explicitly identify influencing factors and to incorporate that information into equation that can be used to predict process. 
We also did talk about seasonal technique, adapt to our forecast if we have recruiting. We, not, we did not touch on MAD, MAP, and MSC. We will do it later on down the chapter, uh, other chapters. And we did the control forecast involved deciding whether a forecast is performing adequately using, you know, for example, a control chart. When selecting a forecasting technique, a manager must choose a technique that will serve, it, serve the intended purses. Uh, at an acceptable level of cost of accuracy, how accurate you want with your budget. This is your budget, your, you know, cost and accuracy is always needs to look at each other. So the learning checklist describe the last three judgment forecasting, describe the component of time series, describe the trend forecast and solve the problem, describe the seasonality forecasting and the solve the typical describe the associate model and, so, uh, and then identify use of demand forecast, distinguish between forecasting timeframes. We will describe this to describe the common features of forecast. We looked at the contracts different for forecasting, identify major factors when we're choosing a forecasting techniques, set price and accuracy. This is the end of chapter.